Hi, and welcome back to Mingus on Tech. I'm Ken Mingus, executive editor at Computer World. I'm here with senior reporter Luke Smirian, also from Computer World. Today's big topic is blockchain. Is it the uh, overhyped, crazy technology we think it is? Where's it going for 2019? We're going to find out, so stick around. Okay, so Lucas, thanks for being here. Happy New Year. Happy New um, Year. You know, we talked about this about a year ago that, that 2018 looked like it would be the year that blockchain, the distributed ledger technology, that hopefully if you're watching this or listening to this, you know what it is, um, that 2018 would be the year that it sort of breaks out and uh, uh, finds its way into a variety of, of uses. So I wanted to first ask, before we get into what's coming for 2019, did it break out in 2018? Yes and no. Yes and no. Oh, a definitive <laughs> yes and no. Great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and, and, and I'm sticking by that, by the way. Okay. Uh, so it, proof of concepts were fleshed out. Okay. Uh, you had things like uh, Walmart's uh, food chain, or I should say Walmart-IBM collaboration for food chain, which tracks food from farm to shelf. Yep. Uh, they expanded their use of that. They also asked their suppliers get on board in their blockchain and uh, start putting their data into their, their blockchain uh, database so that they can track all of their suppliers' food, again, from farm to shelf. So things like uh, E. coli infections that have come from certain lettuces. The let I remember the, big, the great lettuce scare of 2018. Yeah. Right, right. And it's continued, actually. Uh, we, we're still seeing, even in recent history, uh, incidences of E. coli being transferred via lettuce. And they don't know exactly which farm this right. is coming from because they don't track it that precisely. And with blockchain, you would be able to do that. That's one of the big benefits. Isn't, of, isn't the point of that that by, by having all of the suppliers put the information in about the produce where it's coming from, that when you do have something like, like the E. coli breakout, right. um, you don't have to shut down the entire system because you can track exactly where the bad stuff's coming from, right. pull that out of the system, mm -hmm. and then everything else goes on. Exactly. Know, so you have a, a serial number, let's say, on the specific – uh, lettuce package that that was that happened to spread the E. coli. Mm -hmm. You can track that back to the farmer, which is something we can't do today. Okay. We can just we can give a regional. It takes quite a bit of investigation to figure out just the region where the lettuce came from. As a matter of fact, but this creates an immutable, uh, locked-in record of where each and every uh, shipment of a product comes from. The diamond industry is using it as well. The beers has created a ledger as well to track. Uh, diamonds for a number of reasons, not the least of which is to deter uh, blood diamonds. So diamonds that are mined by people were basically enslaved. Okay. So so anyway, so back to uh, Walmart. So yeah. Walmart has obviously embraced this. And I think if I remember your story correctly, the suppliers are supposed to be on board with the blockchain by September September 20, yeah, 19 this so year. So this year? Yeah. Okay. So they're really having to move quickly to, to get on board if they want to stay in Walmart's system. They're all in. Uh, and the executive uh, at Walmart who is really pushing this basically said he had a religious experience about blockchain. And he at first was very skeptical of it. But as, after investigating it and testing it in various proof, proof of concepts, he, he went all in on it, and he believes in it 100%. And 
as as a lot of uh, other people do today. Well, yeah, you know, I remember we, we've written about this extensively, the whole idea of, and again, IBM. IBM does seem to be a big player in this. Yeah. Uh, with their work with Maersk in terms yes. of supply, um, not supply chains, but shipping. Shipping, yep. Worldwide shipping and in, in trying to basically figure out. And again, it's, it is sort of a supply chain. It's right. where is this particular product along the uh, path from, from wherever it's being shipped to wherever it's supposed to go? And how do you document that between different, you know, customs, ports, ports entry, borders, yeah. nations, and mm -hmm. all of that can be provided on the on the blockchain right. and everybody that needs to know can then see that information. At the same time. Right. And that's huge because today is a very manual process, believe it or not, there's still paperwork involved in, in a lot of these ports of entry for uh, shipping containers. So you literally have a person with a clipboard signing <laughs> off on paper. Nothing says 21st century, like right. a guy with a clipboard checking on, uh, I don't know, pallets of, of produce or so, something. Or, or, or you're an auto manufacturer, or, right? And you're yeah. waiting on parts to come in that help that allow you to manufacture cars and you don't know where those parts are. Yep. In real time, this helps do that. I. That's one of the predictions for this year is that these pilots will go live. So the food chain or uh, the cargo shipping manifests that are on blockchain will actually go live this year. Okay. It's interesting, too, and you had written about this. One of the uh, things in 2018 that I thought was, was sort of out there, but apparently it worked, was in West Virginia when uh, I, I guess they were looking at a way to allow for voting to take place. Right. Was it military? Families? Yeah, absentee voters. Absentee overseas, voting overseas, but focused on military and their families. Okay, and and, yeah. and and so what was that, and and how did it work? Since you did write about that, I'm just curious. Yeah, it was a mobile application that allowed you to create a digital ID identification okay. using blockchain. Uh, it's encrypted, so the information cannot be seen. You hold the private keys, encryption keys to that, and you can you also control who has access to the public keys, i.e., who can see that information. This application from a company called Votes, V-O-A-T-Z, enabled people overseas to vote via absentee uh, using this application. So they downloaded the application, they verified their information with the government, and once that was done, they now had a what was essentially a digital, universal digital identification they could use to vote. So they pick up the phone, they, the application, they have a list of candidates, they select those candidates, hit send, and uh, the, um, uh, the the people controlling the voting in West Virginia, Secretary, uh, State's, Secretary Office. State's Office. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of the um, the individual. I can't uh, think of his name right yeah, now, but his office, yeah. His office uh, then can approve that, and uh, the votes are counted. Does the app, the one that's on the, the you know, that you use to set up your identity, use biometrics? like face ID or thumbprint to guarantee that you're you and then they, that's attached to the sort of the ID that then yeah. is attached to the voting? That's exactly, that's part of it is they're counting on the biometrics to allow you, so if somebody steals your phone, they can't replicate you by either using the face ID or, face ID or, or the thumbprint in order to get into your phone to use the application because that is one of the layers of security. So this is not going to be a way to stuff ballots. Sorry, uh, <laughs> ballot stuffers. Right. Um, okay, interesting. And then, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get into 2019, you know, I, we, you and I have talked about this in terms of looking at the whole cycle because, you know, a couple of years ago as blockchain really began to emerge, I think there were predictions that uh, it was going to be as big as the internet. Right, right. In terms big of- Big hype phase. Big, yeah, the, the huge hype phase. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had written a story recently about uh, blockchain, what's it good for? You know, there's a lot of disputes now that maybe it's not going to be quite the- uh, 
uh, tsunami of change right. that people were expecting. And I know that Gartner is now saying that it's uh, in terms of the hype phase and, and technology. And this this happens with technologies in general when they first arrive. But where is it, Lucas? Now, let me show you on the graph. Enlighten um, me, please. They, we are now currently <clears throat> going into the trough of disillusionment yes. at the bottom here. <laughs> Which I love the idea of a trough of disillusionment. I, I you know, it's technology. It's going to be right. hyped and then it's going to crash and then it's going to come back and finally somebody will figure out how to make it work. And eventually we will go up the slope of enlightenment. Yes. And, and then, then to the plateau of uh, what's productivity. It productivity. Okay. Yes. So if you're hearing a lot of mixed messages about blockchain right now, you are, you know, there are mixed messages out there. Uh, it's being used in a variety of ways as proofs of concept. Right. Companies are embracing it. IBM, is it SAP as well? SAP, There's, Microsoft. I mean, there are dozens of companies. Blockchain there. as a service is now becoming an offering so that companies yeah. can sort of test it out and see how it might work with, you know, their systems and processes. In, in fact, uh, one prediction is that Facebook this year will uh, enable a cryptocurrency, if not Bitcoin, some of their, what some of their own go wrong? To, to purchase uh, things on the internet. So Facebook coin? That's right. Something like that. Okay. That's one of the predictions. That's one of the predictions. All right. So we'll be back in a year to see if Facebook actually creates a cryptocurrency using blockchain. And like I say, I can't quite imagine that, but maybe I'm just disillusioned, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. What else for 2019 do we think we're looking at in terms of blockchain? Layer two protocols. So right now, uh, Bitcoin and other uh, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies and even some of the private or uh, permissioned uh, blockchains are not very efficient. They're not fast um, because you have uh, proof it's of work. It's the scaling issue, right? It's a scaling issue because right now you have things like proof of work. Uh, this is a method by which you um, verify that you are the who you say you are and that this transaction has taken place. You've submitted this information and it's accurate and verified. And that takes time because everybody, or at least a majority of the people on the blockchain ledger have to approve it. Right. And that takes time. So it's a very slow process. So the idea is to offload uh, a lot of the data associated with that onto uh, a second layer, um, a so sort of a second messaging layer, or it could be even a database where they put that information so it doesn't clog up the pipes, yep. the blockchain. Uh, Almost like a bypass valve. Exactly. That's exactly okay. what it would do is you'd, you take the, the data coming in, it's verified, but then it's moved off so that you don't have to deal with that uh, massive information on the actual ledger. So the original blockchain stays intact, the information stays there, but the, the identity part of it sort of gets shunted off to one side so that that long process of having people weigh in and say, yes, I'm me, yes, you're you, doesn't slow down the, 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 the underlying process. Well, the, the verification still takes place in the blockchain. It's the data that's offloaded because okay. it has to be replicated. So remember that every single node on a blockchain has the same information. Right. And exponentially, that builds over time. So if you have a thousand nodes, each of those nodes recording that information, obviously the amount of information that's going to transfer between them is going to grow exponentially over time. So Got they're it. offloading that data once it's been verified. Okay. So it doesn't slow it down. Uh, Bitcoin is uh, looking at something called the Lightning Network, Ethereum, the Liquidity Network. Uh, virtually all of the organizations that are currently um, operating uh, blockchain uh, cryptocurrency networks are looking at some way of increasing um, the scalability. And scalability and efficiency. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting, you know, uh, back to the, to the Gartner thing for a minute. After all the hype, 
and then the you know the sort of fall off and people wondering is this going to be you know uh, a real technology you do see a lot of companies that are trying to work out the various problems that have come up and that's around scalability and right and, and make it work I, I think what most of the experts I spoke to uh, for this article are saying is the hype is dying and this year it's going to be a lot quieter and what's going to happen is work behind the scenes mm -hmm. to make this a reality to get systems in production so the companies uh, governments that another prediction is that one of the g20 nations is going to back a cryptocurrency with fiat currency with real money behind with it. real money behind it so similar to when the u.s was on the gold standard mm -hmm. and our money was backed by something today we don't have that we have uh, the money is backed by our government. <laughs> we have the assumption that it may, it's actually worth something, and that's pretty much exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's currently uh, the only thing that backs uh, Bitcoin or any of the cryptocurrencies is supply and demand. There's only 21 million Bitcoins that, be, can, that can be created. Uh, and so the number, as the number dwindles, the price it goes up. Isn't that, isn't that sort of behind the, the, the big Bitcoin crash last year? That uh, uh, Because it's not really backed by something... Right. tangible the value of it depends on the assumption of everybody who has it setting a value on it. exactly it's extremely volatile i mean it went from 20 almost twenty thousand dollars for bitcoin uh per bitcoin down to i think it's four thousand today so it ouch. fell off a cliff ouch that's yeah. a crash and ethereum has seen uh similar eth ether or their uh cryptocurrency has seen similar kind of roller coaster a lot more stable but uh but it's been on a pretty volatile ride as well. Okay. This would stabilize it because you're actually putting something behind it. You're saying this has value. This is what the value is. Right. Okay. And then, uh, you know, one of the other things that was interesting, I think, in 2018, and, and this plays into what's coming mm -hmm. for 2019, was this idea of using blockchain to sort of set a, a, a personal identity. Right. You know, that you can, you can somehow create your own sort of almost like a node, I guess, that, right. that you're you. You can prove you're you. Yeah. And there are a lot of ways that this this could work in terms of like job hiring, HR, things like that. Is that is it does that seem like that's gonna be a reality at some point, even if it's not quite for twenty nineteen? Even if it's not universal, we're already seeing instances of this. For example, if you can get a copy of your diploma from MIT uh, using using blockchain technology. Uh, and it's tied directly now? to you. You can do it now. Yeah, okay. they enable that now. Um, basically, what you're doing, as I said, with the votes application, is you're creating a digital identity. You hold the private keys. The institutions that allow you to input the data, let's say your bank, for example, mm -hmm. you have so much money in the bank, the bank verifies that. But now you allow the information that you want to go out to go out. You don't you they don't say let's okay let me give like you like if you're example. doing a mortgage for buying a house a mortgage or a car loan uh you may need a certain amount of income in order to purchase that car for example yep so they'll say do you make more than sixty thousand dollars a year well you may make eighty three thousand five hundred dollars a year but they don't need to know the exact amount you make all they need to know is that you make sixty thousand or more the bank information can be automatically verified without giving out any additional information on that. It's simply you click a button and the what's called a smart contract in the blockchain, it's a bit of code that automatically executes, says, yes, he makes $60,000 or more. Cool. And you're verified. Time to go buy a car. <laughs> no, what, <laughs> yeah. So I get it, though. What it does is it basically allows, you know, 
you to you the individual who has this you know blockchain self identity mm -hmm. to set the minimum threshold. You exactly. don't have to give away all the information that a bank might have about you, whether it's buying a car, getting a mortgage, doing a real estate right. deal, whatever. It's just the amount of information that's necessary for that to take for that deal to take place and go to completion. Exactly, and there's one the Sovereign Foundation is one of the entities that is working to create this, and they've partnered with a bunch of other companies around the world in order to create these sovereign identities because obviously. You need the institutions behind this that have your information, that have your sensitive data to be put into this database that you then control. You have the private encryption keys to it. You can offer up the public encryption keys. Isn't this something, too, that's also playing um, or, or being looked at in healthcare? Yeah, I mean, think about this. So back in uh, back when the uh, for, uh, uh, Affordable Care Act was put in place, uh, 2010, 2010, 2011, yeah, yeah. 2010. Uh, they, they required that uh, healthcare organizations create electronic medical records right. so that all your data could be online. It's, it's not really shareable, all that shareable right now, but <laughs> That'll be a different Mingus on tech. That's a whole different topic. But yeah, yeah, between institutions. But yeah, that, that, so the information is out there. Now imagine that if it could be encrypted, handed to you as an electronic record that only you control. Right. So you want a, a physician at a different hospital, say a specialist, to see that information, you control access to that sensitive information. That is yet another use that could be. And it would also help with the ability for different institutes. Right now, one of the problems we have is uh, that there aren't standards for sharing the data between institutions. So right. basically, these electronic medical records were created by the vendors. and Using each, their specific systems. Exactly. They're proprietary yeah, yeah. software. Uh, so it locks them in. Uh, so when you want to share information between institutions, there are protocols being developed, but it's not easy right now. Right. Most don't. Is it, is it the sort of thing where, is this being experimented with in terms of healthcare operations, or is it something that's, there was a story you had written, I think, this year that was talking about the amount of information that can be gleaned from, in aggregate, from patient uh, documents and health records, but there would be a way to sort of filter out your information and you could be compensated for the, the value of that data. You could sell, and, and this sounds creepy as all get out or, or scary, but you could sell information about um, particular diseases, ailments. You know, let's say that you have congestive heart failure. They could use this information in studies, but it would be disassociated with you personally. Right. They'd, they'd know there's a patient behind this information, and they could use that for studies, but your information would never be revealed because much in the same way, like I gave the example for buying a car mm -hmm. and taking out a loan, you would only get a check. Yes, this is the information that's there. This is what's applicable, but it's not tied back to it's. It's scrubbed. It's not tied back to an actual patient. And right now, they don't have that ability. They these studies are limited by the number of people who participate in them. But if we had a universal healthcare record that was based on blockchain, everybody would be enabled to use to share this information and share it. And, you know, again, and get paid for to, it. Yeah, and get money back yeah. for it because it is considered valuable information and yeah. it is being shared in some ways in aggregate now. Um, and so this would allow the person whose data is actually being you know, move through the system to get a little bit of money back. You could opt in for it. And right. they, might, they wouldn't pay you a lot, but depending on the number of studies, it, you know, you could earn some bucks. Okay, great. Any other thoughts about uh, blockchain in 2019 before I let you go? Um, I think, I think I think this is going to be the year that, and I honestly do believe this is going to be the year we're going to see some production systems go online. It's just too, it just seems like too valuable a communications device, a, uh, an ability to transmit sensitive information or 
valuable information, like in the case of a supply chain, mm -hmm. to not be rolled out in production. Okay, great. So we're going to move, I guess, this year from the looking at your chart here from the trough of disillusionment yeah. to the heading into the slope of enlightenment for yes. 2019. We're going to get Excellent. smart. All right, Lucas, thanks a lot. I appreciate the update. Absolutely. We'll check back mid-year and see whether we're in the slope of enlightenment or have reached the plateau of productivity. Uh, for now on blockchain in 2019, that's a wrap. Thank <laughs> you.